Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, joined once again by Glenn Beck, Stubergear, and special guest Josh Hammer from The Daily Wire. Thanks for being here. I know here. you are a like a world traveler. <laughs> Always gone, so we're happy that you could fit it in your schedule. Really smart. I, I can't wait to hear your take on the news today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, Glenn, what's your top story? Well, it, it was all day um, because of a, just a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, what's going on with calling the president a racist? And I have am personally connected to that. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to actually pass that one to Stu because I think there's a story that has not been told at all and is absolutely game-changing for all mankind. Everything that I have said was coming, starting with Stu in like 1995. I said this, and he was like, you're crazy. And I'm like, no, it's not me. Look, uh, it's here. Mm -hmm. it, it, was, it was announced uh, this week, and this announcement changes Homo sapiens. It changes mm -hmm. the course of the world. Wow, all right. So Stu, your top story is that the president is racist? Yeah, well, I specialize in knee-jerk reactions. Okay. Uh, so I'll, I'll go with that one. Okay, all right, Josh. Yeah, we're, let's talk about the border, the sovereignty crisis. Big issue people aren't talking about as much anymore as they should be. There's one particular story out of New Mexico knocking a lot of attention that we'll drill down and talk about. All right, a lot to get into. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Relief Factor. Uh, so Stu and I really appreciate Relief Factor because it makes Glenn tolerable. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessary. Yeah, don't oversell it. Mildly tolerable. <laughs> okay. Tolerable. -ish. Tolerable. Tolerable in the pain sort of way. Yes. It's, yeah. not, it's not magic. Yeah. Right? Like <laughs> <laughs> so Relief Factor uh, has helped me a great deal. Um, I was in crippling pain. Uh, and quite honestly, about two years ago, I said to my wife right around Christmas time, I don't think I can do it anymore. I don't know how I'm going to live my rest of my life like this because I, I can't do it anymore. She started in on me. Advertising on the radio show. Why did you do it? And so I finally <laughs> gave in, quite honestly, not thinking that it would work, just to get her to pipe down, please. Uh, and uh, and I took it, and it worked. And the the deal is, they ask you to take it three times a day for three weeks. If it doesn't work, stop taking it. Seventy percent of the people who do take it, it does work for. I saw a, an immediate decrease in my pain, and it is, it is gone for me. And tell me before Relief Factor, did I have pain-free days? No. Never? No. Never. Hasn't gotten rid of all of my pain every day, but most days are pain-free for me. It's Relief Factor. Please, just try it. Uh, you can go to relieffactor.com, get that three-week quick start pack for $20. Uh, all right, Glenn... You yes. Said, I mean, love it. Top story changing live on television. <laughs> right, yeah. No idea what you're talking right. about. Go. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Elon Musk came out and, and I was attracted to the story for a couple of reasons. I'm very much into AI and transhumanism. Uh, and I, I warn that this is coming and have been for a while. And we have to. T and LGBT. Yes. <laughs> uh, and we really have to seriously have a talk about this oh i don't know yesterday um and also my daughter has cerebral palsy mm -hmm. and she has been going through testings to get these these neurotransmitters if you will these they're like i don't know they're, they're like little bars i mean very small but they're little bars that they put into your head and it senses what's going on and and creates a wave to stop from having seizures so she could be seizure-free. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I get up this morning and a friend of mine who is a total geek said, uh, it's here, 
did you see what Elon said? Elon Musk uh, just introduced Neuralink. Now, I don't know where this guy gets his time. It's like, you know, he's building cars and spaceships and he's going to moon. And it's like, yeah, on a Saturday afternoon, I did this Neuralink thing. <laughs> what this is, is, um, and he's, he's being very cagey about this. He says this is to help people walk and help people get past uh, Alzheimer's and dementia and everything else. It's a neural link that is now 10,000 times more powerful than what they would say they were going to put into my daughter's head. Okay, 10,000 times more powerful. First phase goes in into humans uh, in one year from now. The machine that does it, it's, it's almost like a big robotic sewing machine. It, the, the, the sensors or the, the transmitters are the size of a human hair. And they have to be put in exactly because if you screw it up, you could have a bleed in the brain. It has to go through all, it has to be placed exactly right. Okay, So a machine does it. But the machine will have you in and out with new neurotransmitters within an hour. Wow. It's like LASIK. Now, here's what it does. It, it, the first phase is just for Parkinson's, epilepsy, things like that. 10,000 times better than what we have. The next phase, what he's doing is it has a recorder as part of it. So it can record your memories. When you think of something, all those transmitters fire, and it will record and then store it itself. So when you're searching for something and you have Alzheimer's and you can't remember, it pushes that memory out. I think there was a Black Mirror episode yeah. about that. Okay. It, it gets, did it turn out well? Uh, yeah. no. no. It usually does. No. Okay, so now the, the, so it, can, it can help you with that. The third phase, which is no farther than 10 years away, he says, um, the third phase is, is an actual uplink. So you will be online all the time. So everything you're thinking, you won't have to think, oh, let me search for and use your thumbs. You think what is, and it's there. Okay? It pushes it into your brain. You are constantly linked online. Think of that. Now, the other thing is, it also, if you, will, if you say, I need to speak French, I'm going to France, and I need to speak French, it will upload your ability to speak another language. And yeah, let them upload English. Yeah, right. this is this is game changing for the human race. Now, here's what he said that most people would they'd hear about the, you know, the the first part and think that's great. And the rest of it's science fiction. And they won't even hear why he's doing it. He's doing it to help people walk and to help people remember and things like that. That's fine. But what he actually said sandwiched in there is. AI is coming, and a benevolent AI is probably not going to happen. And one of his big things is to stop uh, AI or to find a way to have a benevolent AI. We're not headed that way. Okay, Nobody is going. They just want AI. Only DARPA is looking for a benevolent AI. Um, so what he's doing is he's saying... If we can interface with it, he, this is his schedule. Remember, AI, ASI, or AGI is supposed to happen around 2028. Mm -hmm. 
he needs this to be in our heads before because he said the only way you'll understand our AI and the only way we'll be able to work with it is if we can connect. Otherwise, we won't see any of these situations coming our way. It will be too far ahead of us too fast. So we have to upgrade. Now, let me just give you one quick scenario. And this is, you have to think about this. This is real. This is not something that's science fiction. Think of this. Right now, we're being depersoned because our ability to speak on platforms is going away. Imagine having a neural link and, and someone in charge of that neural link and you're thinking thoughts that the state, the corporations, or whoever don't like. You can play ball with the greatest minds all around, because everybody will be one of the greatest minds because we'll be a hive. You'll be able to do that. But if somebody finds you uh, not worthy, you're a monkey. You're back to the homo sapien. And you won't understand the conversations. You will not be able to keep up. That's where we're headed. Stu, do you care to weigh in on this terrifying scenario? Are you going to tell me what episode of Black Mirror that is? Because that sounds <laughs> awesome. Uh, no, it's, a, it's amazing. I think, like, look, you know, you know Glenn is paid very handsomely to go, uh, think that, that far in the future for these sort of, like, scenarios. And you've been doing that for a long time. You know, there, of course, are great parts of this as well like and you know parts Mm -hmm. it's like i what kind of strikes me as you talk about that is you know we are in a time in which half the country once says that there shouldn't be any billionaires that shouldn't be allowed right this here's a guy like i don't agree with everything that elon musk does by any means but like he's living the life of a billionaire how i'd like to live a life of a billionaire he's tony stark yeah he's a real life tony stark he kind of is and and like you know the fact that capitalism built him and now he, as a billionaire, is building things that could help lots and lots of people. Now, of course, could also turn dark, as you point out. But I think there's going to be lots and lots of benefits of it as well. Yeah, he's saying this is the, in his opinion, this is the way to prevent it from going right. to he's extinction. Trying, yeah, he's trying. I mean, and, and, you know, this could solve, I mean, you know, I've had relatives die of Parkinson's, right? Like very, mm-hmm. pretty recently. And it's like really difficult. My daughter could speak again. I mean, she could speak and understand language where... She has a hard time communicating with people, and she's, she just and it's because all of those pathways are broken. In this, he actually said, anyone who had strokes or anything like that, it will repair all those pathways. It will just double for those pathways. So full restoration of strokes, mm-hmm. that's incredible, just that. Yeah. They um, have a uh, thing that they've, put out on the market you can buy it now it's like under two hundred dollars that helps you um because i guess as you as you as you're young and you start doing physical activities you're playing tennis right like as you are playing something and you as you get better at it, it you notice the improvements because your um the you know those pathways are, fi- are firing and you're constantly improving as you're growing up and you're turning into a teenager and you're getting to your 20s and of course as you get you know to our age uh, all of a sudden you can't play tennis very well anymore and it doesn't feel as good they have these these devices that they're actually we wear them they're not nearly as advanced obviously at the very beginning of this technology but like they actually help open up those pathways again and supposedly supposedly help you learn like n- a new sport or a new activity when you're older and like that stuff's like you know consumer level stuff now. I mean, can you imagine what it's going to be? And not, I mean, not that so long of time. Here's the the last thing on this. 
That's what this will be if we are a free market. That's what this will be if we are free. If we are not, this stuff is in development and will happen. And if we have national global health care or whatever, it will not. It will be for the uber rich. And it's totally cows and ranchers then. Yeah. Josh, are you concerned with unintended consequences of this? <laughs> uh, just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like lawyers are paid to worry about unintended consequences. So, uh, as a habit of my vocation, I'm necessarily yeah. worried about it. No, I mean, on the one hand, I'm mesmerized. On the other hand, I obviously am terrified. But mm-hmm. I kind of just love, in general, these quirky titans of Silicon Valley. I flew back last night from D.C. I was there in part for... Oh yeah, well, <laughs> it's very it's very swampy these days. Uh, it's, it's swampy th- all all year actually, especially yeah. especially this time of the year. But I was in town for uh, my friend Yoram Pazoni's National Conservatism Conference. I was getting a lot of play on Twitter, and I was actually in the room when Peter Thiel on Sunday night gave this speech mm. that has made headlines, where he was talking about uh, how Google is is treasonous was the yeah. word that Peter mm-hmm. Thiel used. He was calling for uh, yeah, that's, that's that's high octane stuff. Yeah, it is <laughs> that is high energy content. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just love these quirky Silicon Valley guys in general. Elon Musk, I would just. I, I would pay good money to meet Elon Musk. Just have a I would too. Elon Musk. I would. I'd pay money. He didn't even have to recognize me. I'd pay good money <laughs> just to sit in the room yeah. and listen to him for a while. Yeah. The language thing to me is like personally what I would be most interested in. I'm not great with languages. I took Spanish for four years in high school. I've traveled to numerous Spanish language countries. It does not help. No, uh, I was, at I all. The same thing with French. This yeah. last year, I took five years of French and went to France for a week and literally could remember yeah, how to ask to go exactly. to the bathroom. I've so. took, <laughs> I've taken fifty-four years of English. <laughs> I can barely speak English. <laughs> um, no, but, but like I, t- I took a semester. I th- sorry, three semesters of Mandarin Chinese in college. I can mm. literally say like three words. Um, <laughs> but like my like my big project for years now has been trying to learn Hebrew because I really want to be able to read both scripture and rabbinical texts and you're in the Hebrew mm-hmm. without the English translation, mm-hmm. uh, I've been daunted to embark on that task because I'm so language challenged. So personally, this is like what, that's the very first thing I thought of. Oh, it'll be, it'll be yeah. amazing technology yeah. if we're free. Yeah. All right. Uh, Stu's knee-jerk reaction when we come back. Isn't that a great hot takes you could develop with this technology? Like, <laughs> they give you the hottest takes of all hot takes. Imagine. But if you're not, if you're thinking of it, Before we get back into the conversation, I want to thank our sponsor, Cruise Through History. <laughs> Glenn, you guys uh, yes. are going on an amazing cruise, we and are I was good. not invited. We are on a, like, everyone is invited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Josh was talking about, like, learning and, like, going back yeah. into Hebrew. I mean, we're going to Israel. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is... Uh... So we're going to Israel. We're going to uh, the Mediterranean. We'll stop at Venice, uh, at Athens, uh, Dubrovnik, and then we go to Israel, and we found out... That the guy who played Jesus in uh, Passion, Passion of the, the Christ, Christ is Condition. coming with us, mm-hmm. and wow. it's kind of sucks because he won't play any jokes with us. I really, <laughs> I really want to dress him as Jesus and just go up on the Temple Mount and like, hey everybody! <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think he'd do that. No, uh, I, I'm could I'm cause a. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, we have uh, we have him coming with us. Uh, Tim Ballard, Bill O'Reilly is going to be there. We're going to be doing shows uh, and teaching history. David Barton. We're bringing a lot of our history museum on board the ship. It's just going to be great. It's going to be great. So go to uh, comesailaway.com, comesailaway.com, and uh, join us next spring. All right, Stu. Tell us about your uh, your knee-jerk reaction here. Let's start with MSNBC's uh, historian. This is a Pulitzer Prize mm-hmm. historian. 
explaining to us the history of the United States in a way I had never learned it. Warning, it might make your head explode. Yes, I agreed. What the president's done here is yet again, because I think he did it after Charlottesville, and I think he did it, frankly, when he was pushing the birther lie about President Obama, is he has joined Andrew Johnson as the most racist president in American history. Hmm. Uh, Johnson, uh, in a (laughs) state message, said that African Americans were incapable of self-government and relapsed into barbarism if they weren't closely supervised. Eric Foner, the great historian of Reconstruction, says that was the single most racist statement by a president in a public paper. That is such bullcrap all the way around. I mean, Woodrow Wilson... Literally, when he resegregated, there was one guy who had to have his job amongst all the white people. He, he, there was no way, Mr. President, we can't segregate. He has to be there. Okay, they put him in a cage. (laughs) In a cage. Oh, kind of like Trump is doing down on the border with all of those. I don't know. The guy with the trail of tears that just wiped out Indians, you know, and lied and broke all the treaties. I don't know. I think he might have been a little bit more than Johnson and definitely Donald Trump. I mean, look, Donald Trump has said some things that have been questionable. We've discussed many of them. Uh, I don't think any of them equivalent. I mean. You know, he didn't put anybody in internment camps. Right. right. Uh, he didn't bring back the KKK. He didn't write a book in which Birth of a Nation was based on. Okay, that's Woodrow uh, Wilson and FDR. I'm seeing a pattern here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew oh. Jackson. Yeah, Andrew Jackson. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and they're, a, and they're weird. weird. They're all weird. Democrats. Weird. Weird. Uh, go back and listen to the words of LBJ. I was just going to say that. Actually. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, uh, LBJ. Oh, I mean, certainly Nixon uh, said a lot of things, too. I mean, like. Like, Donald Trump doesn't compare to any of these people. It's completely ridiculous. I don't, I can't believe I live in a country that is still taking Donald Trump's tweets seriously. They're not serious. He is, they they said, he's just trying to make sure that AOC is the the face of the party. And and he's just trying to whip everybody up. Well, it's going to work against him because they're all going to Nancy Pelosi. No, they're not. Because there's a lot of people that look at that group of women and go, you know what? Uh, they might have been born here, but they don't sound like they're Americans at all. If they, if anything, they sound like they hate America. And his first his first response, I thought, was was much better than the second one, which was leave. If you don't, if it's that horrible and oppressive, leave. Yeah. There's lots of countries you could go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought this sentiment that I think. Trump somewhere in his brain was going for those tweets, which is that if you're voluntarily coming here, you should probably be grateful for this country yes. gives you. That is obviously a correct sentiment. Yes. Um, he did not transmit the message in particularly eloquent fashion, to put it mildly. And that's so unusual for him. So, so unusual. <laughs> yeah, right. But to your broader point, Glenn, I remember thinking after Trump was elected and on November 8th, 2016, I remember thinking, oh my God, this guy is going to be our president. Is he actually going to like, stop tweeting? And then he didn't. And my next thought was, okay, so we're just, this is like the new normal and people will stop eventually caring. Here we are, yeah. two and a half weeks later. No, but they, two, uh, two and a half years. But they, <laughs> sorry, have, sorry. but they have. They have. The average person, I think, has stopped caring. It's like the, yeah, the media. The, is, the yeah, media is story. just going crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, and that's kind of like what I wanted to focus on a little bit here is that like 
there's this there's the way that these things have been treated and you know I very much go by the idea that anything that Trump tweets or says have, has no value to me because okay. he's who knows if he's negotiating or he's got something else uh, who knows with him right like I there's no point to get fired up about it I am interested in the way the media has handled this though um, in that like I mean here's a, here's a little montage of the of the way the wording they're using to describe these these tweets watch Today, President Trump is not backing away from his stunningly racist attack on a group of minority members of Congress. Donald Trump is and always has been a racist. But not since Woodrow Wilson showed birth of a nation in the White House has an American president been so flagrant in his racial messaging as this one. Straight up racist. The president is a racist and he is a demagogue. Uh, that is just a fact. Mm. Oh. Uh, Chris Matthews was actually there for the Woodrow Wilson thing, so you give him some credit <laughs> on that one. Um, you know, like, again, I, you know, we, this is, there's, the, there's a tough guy element of journalists right now. Instead of saying racially tinged or potentially racist, they're just straight out accusing him of racism. And, like, you know, the comment of it, uh, in and of itself of taking someone and saying, hey, go back to your own country if you don't like it, um, can theoretically be racist, right? Like, yeah. it's, yes. it's certainly possible white, yes. white nationalists do use that type of language. We also used it against Piers Morgan constantly right. because he was really annoying. Right. Um, see, like, you know, he was complaining about our Second Amendment. Well, if you don't like our Constitution so much, maybe you'll find a great home in the UK. Um, he's a white dude, as far as I know. Um, you know, like, that, it's, that's, it's not exclusively racist. So you are, as a journalist now, not a commentator, Rachel Maddow wants to come out here and say, call him racist. That's totally fine. It's her analysis. You know, you saw a bunch of journalists there, though, saying, you know what, this is racist. You are reading this guy's mind and assigning his motivation on these people because you're, say, you're seeing four people who look uh, have different looks to them. When we all know that every time Donald Trump disagrees with anyone, he calls them terrible names and thinks of the worst insult he can do. But, He's done it to you, and you're white, right? Yeah. Like, and like, and it's funny because oh my gosh, I am. <laughs> you are. Holy cow! I didn't know that. That came as a real shock. I'm. <laughs> you're worse than you thought. Um, but it's like you know, he disagrees with you, and he calls you a name, and no one says it's racist because you're white. But if he, another person who happens to be black, Maxine Waters, he insulted Maxine Waters, and it was an immediate, uh, excuse me, immediate. Uh, that's all, folks. Thank you. Um, a, a racist attack, and it's like, well, that's not him. Yeah. That's you. You are you are inserting your belief of what his motivation is, and then treating right. it as news, not as speculation. And that is not a healthy uh, practice in journalism, right? I mean, so that's, not, I that's said, not journalism. I said, I I think the president is racist with Barack Obama, but I had I had I immediately corrected. Said, no, that's not quite right. Um, yeah. Uh, but I was a commentator, mm-hmm. and I was trying to figure out what's motivating this guy. Mm-hmm. What what is? How can you say the police acted stupidly? Well, you didn't know anything about it, mm-hmm. and you just went to race. And he had played so many things that just made it seem. And his grandmother, of course, was bred like most white people to hate or be suspicious of black people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty darn racist. Um, and so I was trying to figure that out, and they hum- I was a racist because I said he was a racist, and I didn't actually say it. I immediately corrected yeah. and said that's not quite right. But he has a problem with the culture, right? And as a commentator, that's what I should do, right? Right. As a journalist, that's not your responsibility. As a historian, to to they are making this for the history books clear. 
He will never not yeah. be known as a racist now because all of the journalists and all of the progressive historians all agree right now. You know, we literally I, had two generations. Okay. We had two generations of slave holding presidents. <laughs> like, have we just forgotten about that? <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> uh, even with Google. Oh no! All right, back in a minute. See them Very sorry. easily accessible. Yeah. You can see them have Rich- Richard Spencer on last night as a guest. Josh, uh, you were talking to us about a piece that you just did a couple days ago. Yeah, so I wrote a piece two days ago. There was this Axios poll over the weekend. Mike Allen was tweeting out. They polled non-college-educated white voters in in some swing states. The sample size was a little over 1,000, so pretty rigorous poll. AOC was 50 points underwater among that group. Ilhan Omar had a 9% approval rating. So I think that the squad, as we're calling them, is literally going to cause the Democratic Party to have an electoral bloodbath in 2020. I'm calling it a bloodbath. I love it. And they can find it. We'll tweet it out, but they can find it on your Twitter as well, I assume. My Twitter, the Daily Wire. DailyWire.com. All right. More to come in overtime. We'll see you there. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. All right, Josh, you said that there is an issue going on at the border that no one's talking about. Yeah, so there's one issue that I I, want to get to, but I kind of just want to start by saying that In our 24-7 constant food fight, Trump's a racist, Mm -hmm. the squad, all this, we're kind of forgetting what, in my opinion, is the biggest political story over the past year, which is what is going on at the the southern border. It is, it's just staggering. I think the June numbers from Customs and Border Protection actually tapered off a little bit. But from February through May, for for at least four months in a row, we were reaching a a new record-shattering high each month, well over 100,000 apprehensions at the border. Um, So... One thing that personally really frustrates me, Sarah, is I have no doubt that some of our facilities at the border could could be better equipped, that we could be, that we could be, could be doing a better job from a humanitarian perspective. But the hypocrisy always frustrates me of people always talking about the conditions in these facilities and not talking about the crime committed by a lot of illegal aliens who are let in. And there's one story out of Los Angeles, and then we'll get to what I really want to talk about. But one story out of Los Angeles that really highlights this. It's kind of just coming to light over the past day or two. There were these four murders, I think. These bodies were, like, executed machete-style. They were found in a ravine in Los Angeles County. 22 people have been indicted for this. 19 of the 22, all the 22 are MS-13 connected. 19 of the 22 illegally entered the country within the last four years. Wow. And just think about it, right? If you're an unaccompanied alien coming here by yourself, if you don't have family here, you're probably, like, more susceptible to be wooed by these criminal networks here. So it kind of makes sense. But the other story that just came across my feed this morning that was really staggering was they talked about what's going on in Las Cruces, New Mexico, which is actually not a border town. It's close to the border. It's within 75 miles to 100 miles, I think, of the, of, of the border. Traditionally, what our Border Patrol and ICE have done is they, set, they use, use the steps checkpoints, and they still often do, around 50 to 70 miles inland. And that's where you kind of get your canines, your sniffing dogs, basically trying to sniff out contraband to prevent the drug mules from reaching a stash house where they can then be you know, vehicled off into the interior, probably never to be seen again. Mm-hmm. What's happening in Las Cruces is the DHS, CBP, and Border Patrol assets there have all been deployed to the actual border for apprehension purposes, to work in these facilities, to care for the aliens who are there. And as a consequence of that, drugs are just 
pouring into Las Cruces because the assets who normally would be apprehending them and preventing them from getting to these stash houses are no longer there. Mm. So one statistic really kind of drives this home. This is staggering to me. The price of a pound of methamphetamine in Las Cruces, New Mexico, decreased from $4,700 per pound in March to $2,500 per pound in June. Wow. Three wow. months later, the price almost was cut in half because of just the glut of supply just yeah. coming in. This is a big problem. Um, we can have a nice debate on the right about like the war on drugs, about what we, what we, what we should be doing from a policy perspective, whether we should be legalizing stuff. But let's not forget that drugs are really bad. Mm. Drugs destroy communities. Um, on a personal note, I had a personal tragedy a year and a half ago, a, a cousin overdose. I mean, like, it, drugs ruin people's lives quite literally. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was just an eye-opening story to me. A lot of people, I think, are talking about the violence aspects of the what I'm calling a border sovereignty crisis. We're not talking enough about the drug crisis because Overdoses in America, I think, finally started to kind of taper off last year. Mm-hmm. But it, it's been a huge problem for years. And contrary to what a lot of people think, it's actually not mostly prescription opioid oriented. That actually started declining around 2013, 2014. It's mostly fentanyl, meth, cocaine, mm-hmm. um, like real drugs that like um, Hezbollah and the cartels are shipping in here. So this is a huge problem. Um, and sometimes I kind of like remind myself that like this is a huge issue. They are not getting the resources they need. It's a bipartisan problem. Um, so that's, uh, that was just an eye-opening article I saw in New Mexico. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, I had not even heard that. I mean, uh, you know, when you talk about uh, price being cut in half over you know, a short period of time like that, that's, that's, uh, that's a significant change. And it's funny because it's like you have this idea of, you know, the, we've talked about the changing in policies and all that. You, the, the policy change the decision there should not be made by force, right? Like by outside force. We're being forced to just abandon these posts because of what's going on in the border. And again, like we've tried to get more resources down there. Um, you know, obviously eventually they got approved, but it's, it's been, you know, I mean, it's, 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 been a, it's been a real slog on that one. Uh, and it doesn't seem like it's being taken seriously at all. I mean, uh, you know, if you were going to have, like, we obviously have gone through a period here of a pretty widespread marijuana legalization. Um, you know, I put that in air quotes because it's still federally illegal and no one seems to care. Um, but like, you know, like, and we've seen that, but that was a decision, right? Like, we all made a decision in theory that that this was supposed to be legal and the laws were changed and, and it was done in some sort of orderly fashion to just have it where we have so many people coming across the border that we can't even enforce our own laws. That is not ideal, uh, you know, and it's, it, it is another overlooked aspect of this. Because, I mean, they've been talking a lot about the opioid thing, which, right. I mean, winds up just being an attack on capitalism most of the time. Like, we right. don't like this one family. Right. It's like, all right, um, you know, that's a real problem and we should be dealing with it. But the border has so many far-reaching tentacles that, that screw up so many different things around the country, and we really do ignore it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the border, I saw a really interesting uh, tweet by the Washington Post. They tweeted out an article, and they had apparently found that the majority of Mexicans say that immigrants are a burden on their country and favor deporting migrants who travel through Mexico yeah. to reach the United States. Mm. It's interesting to me because, you know, as a conservative, you read that and go, well, yeah, duh. <laughs> that, that's what we've been saying this entire time. It'd be interesting to hear the left's take on that because how are you going to call brown-skinned Mexicans <laughs> racist right. for saying we should right. deport the people who are illegally coming into our country. I love polls like this. They, they, they just make me smile. Like, it's <laughs> like, you know, when, the, when hey, the Washington Redskins is a racist name. Yeah, when you ask Native Americans, they say it's not. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know, the other interesting one recently is if you go back to Biden in the debates when he was kind of hit by Kamala Harris yes. on the busing thing, 
Well, you go back and look at the polls in Delaware at the time, African-American voters in Delaware opposed busing. Right. right. Like I right. are you're calling the black voters in Delaware also racist mm-hmm. for 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 that. I mean, it, yeah. it really it, like people aren't as simple as we make them out to be many times. The Redskins thing was staggering. If I recall, oh. the polling on that is uh, among the Native American community yeah. is like 90, 10 or 95, <laughs> five. That ridiculous. It is literally that one sided that it is not racist at all. It's such a great little microcosm of our society. It's like yeah. the people who supposedly are actually affected by this doesn't bother them at all. And but white heroes come in and we'll uh, white liberal heroes will help you. You should be offended by this and we'll take it away. All your pain. What is it that Ayanna Presley, a.k.a. like the Ringo Starr of the squad, said yeah. it, w- w- <laughs> what, did you, right, what, what did she say the other day? She had like some she press. She, she, she had some Twitter press conference where she said like, "We only need brown people. Yeah. If yeah. you're the right kind of brown people, yeah, brown people with brown voices. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Brown brown people with brown voices, black people with black voices, and queer people with, with queer, queer voices. voices. Yeah. How freaking racist! Yeah, and you cannot do right. queer voices. That's been banned on TV for a long time. You can't be doing that. You cannot be making fun of of any voice. No. right? you can't be doing accents. No, of course. It's funny because it's like this idea that like you have to essentially agree with whatever they say to be an official member of this group, mm-hmm. right? You're not black if you are not liberal enough and don't stand with us. Uh, but the Ringo Starr thing is fantastic. <laughs> that is I, like, I did not make it up, full disclosure. <laughs> oh, I, whoever did is brilliant yeah, because because it is true. Like every time they talk about the squad, I'm like, oh yeah, Casio Cortez. Yeah. Oh yeah, all right, uh, Ilana Mar, Rashida Tlaib. All right, maybe maybe who? And who is this Presley person? <laughs> How is she included in this? Yeah. But you know, she's one of the only because uh, her and Casio Cortez are members of the Democratic Socialists of America. They're the only two that are actual members of the organization. Where Omar I'm and shocked Omar is not. I, I know. I, I mean, she's been defended. Right. Uh, briskly uh, right. by by them. When when she had when she did the anti-Semitic stuff, she was actually defended by Democratic Socialists of America. I mean, she's very tied into the group, mm-hmm. but I don't think she was elected as a member. Where Casio Cortez and Presley were. Um, so I, I, that's kind of an interesting part of that. You're right, though. Like, I don't know how. I think they got grouped together because they were like friends, right? Like they came in the same class, obviously. But there were other women who came in that class that are not included in whatever squad. Oh, God, it hurts me to even say it. It's so dumb. I just, like, it's like a punch to your brain every time someone says the word squad. It's I feel like. on the stupid squad. It, it makes it a little bit more palatable. Political suicide say. squad. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, speaking of Omar and mm-hmm. her anti Semitic comments, she was asked in an inter- interview um, about the multiple anti Semitic comments that she made. She had an interesting uh, response to that. Let's watch. Oftentimes there are uh, things that you might say might not hold weight for you, but to someone else, right? The way that we hear um, and consume information is very different than how the next person uh, might. So you don't regret your words either? I do not, but I have gotten the, I I am grateful um, for the opportunity to really learn how my words made people feel um, and have taken uh, every single opportunity I've gotten um, to, to make sure that people understood um, that I, I apologize for it. And would I you never, like people to, would I you, never would you really like to want make it clear to, that you were not anti-Semitic? Oh, certainly not, yes. Would you like to make that clear? Yes, I mean, and that, I, <laughs> nothing I said, at least to me, um, was meant for that purpose. It's so funny, though. It's like that's the same controversy Trump is in, right? Like, mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Like It's like people are saying, well, the, well, the stuff you're saying is, is said by anti-Semites all the time, and it certainly sounds yeah. very anti-Semitic. And like she's had a long history of doing these types of things. 
But I mean, like, she can also say, well, my motivation isn't that I'm anti-Semitic. And they seem to accept it. Yeah, from the her. press goes, oh, okay. Oh, well, case closed. okay. Well, there We're you good. go. Yeah, so no that, issues. That is, a, that is, a, that is a, an interesting thing. Can I, can I preview, I think, one coming controversy, in all honesty, mm-hmm. is that I think there's going to be pushback on this squad thing because it's not serious enough. Right. Like these are serious women in Congress. And there's this little silly Taylor Swift name. Like I think because I mean, it's not like they go around calling themselves the squad. They just took I think I honestly think the history of this is they took like one Instagram photo and it was early on. And they're like, they were the squad. And so people kind of just pick that up. I don't know that they love that name. And at some point. We're going to hear that, like, only white men are calling them that or something. There will be some pushback oh. on that name. That's what I think. Oh. Josh, what are your... Uh, what's yeah, your I mean, what she comments? said there is, like, the most classic non-apology in the history of non-apologies, yeah. right? It's like, I'm She so- said, I don't regret. Yeah, I don't regret. I'm sorry if my words hurt your feelings, but I didn't mean anything by it. Yeah. I mean, like, literally, like, the textbook definition of a non-apology. Um, like, let me ask you this, Sarah. Why would Ilhan Omar apologize for something that... She actually believes. She, she actually believes what she said. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ilan Omar believe, has. She believes exactly what she says. I've always thought that Ilan Omar is not stupid. Mm-hmm. She knows exactly what she is doing. She's, I mean, she did say Iran Contra affair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give her a little bit of stupid points. Maybe, that. I mean, that she'll get a stupid point. Maybe her like <laughs> pronunciation is like still like in development or something. But like. <laughs> She knows what she's doing. What she's trying to do is shift the Overton window of mm-hmm. what is acceptable and not acceptable in discourse surrounding Israel, surrounding Jews, surrounding all Middle East issues pertaining to Israel and the Jews. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she's always known what she is doing. But, like, why would, you, why would she apologize if she's actually an anti-Semite? Yeah, no, I think that's true. And, I, and, and to kind of bring this back uh, full circle to the beginning of the show, um, well, not, not all the way to the beginning, not to Elon Musk, but, but the one segment after that, um, it's like I— we are all commentators right here. And I can look at her and look at her record. And I believe that she's saying these things because she is an anti-Semite. It's my belief. Yeah. And I, it's what I'm doing with the analysis. Right. Jake Tapper should not be on t- TV right. saying, we know what she said. It was anti- she, we know she's an anti-Semite. We have to just all be honest and say she's an anti-Semite. Well, unless you have... Stunningly ha- right, exa- anti-Semitic. Stunningly anti-Semitic. Like, look, I really have massive problems with that. But as a journalist, you should not read into her thoughts and try to read her mind, right? Like as an analyst, as, as a person who's watching the news and trying to figure these things out, this is our job to comment, to be commentators. Mm-hmm. But like it's not really journalism, right? Mm-hmm. And I think like that, like it's interesting to see her in that situation because here she is hero of the world. I've been called all these nasty things. She's like, she's using the same sort of defense that Donald Trump is saying. He's saying like, I, I hear you. I, I don't know if you think it's racist, that's on you. It's not on me. I said something that I think is completely fine. And it's like, uh, this, these are very similar situations. As we've said, like I, there's, a, there's a lot of similarities. I think yeah. it's um, in the Tim Alberta book uh, that, that's out now, uh, American Carnage, is, I'm, I'm reading it now, and, they, and they talk to, he talked to Trump on the record who said you know, he's like really like impressed by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez yeah. and says that she's like Evita, like she can, she can you know, grab the attention. It's what Trump does too, right? Yeah. Um, it, the, the similarities... There's a lot of differences, but there's also some similarities there. And I think Trump recognizes that. Yeah. Uh, did you guys see Omar's tweet that I forget who was someone was criticizing her and I, I, it may have been Trump and she responded. It must be the hijab. No, I don't think I saw I'm this one. like, no, it's the stupid things that you're constantly right. saying. Right. Always victimhood. It's constantly with, with the squad, yeah. right? Because, I mean, Nancy Pelosi criticizes them, and AOC and makes a ridiculous racist. comment that she's attacking women of color. Right. It's just constant victimization. Like, they're always finding a new way to be the right. victims. I mean, we live in a society that 
prioritizes and values victimhood. Yes. Like it's a like it's a great achievement. Yeah. You figured out a way today to, that you know the, yeah. the man is beating you right. down. That's the that's the higher level societal problem that we're still working to cure. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yesterday's poll. Do you think Trump's uh, comments we were just discussing here? If you if they don't like it here, they can leave comments are racist. Ninety three percent of you said no. Seven percent of you said yes. And today's poll: Which member ugh, of the stupid squad? Is the most radical AOC, Talib, <laughs> Omar, like or that Presley? That's hard. Who's gonna say Presley? Yeah, Ringo's yeah, gonna finish not last. Not Ringo. It's gonna be between uh, between John Lennon and Paul McCartney, of course. <laughs> and I think they're gonna go. I'm gonna say who's. Let's see. Like so, Ringo is definitely her. Then it's you gotta have Harrison is Talib. Harrison's Talib because she's like the third. Mm-hmm. She's in third yeah. place. I think then, I think Omar's I think Omar's McCartney and AOC feels like I'm a jump. Go the I was other gonna way. go opposite. Really? Really? Other way. Yeah. Like because I, I think Ocasio Cortez is more of like the. I don't know, the mainstream one, and where mm-hmm. Ilan Omar maybe is more, yeah. like, ideological. Like, I see, like, Lennon yes. being a little bit more, you know, artsy. Yeah. I, could, I could go that it way. might be AOC's glasses for me that I'm thinking of when she okay. wears them. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would say, which one is the... Which one is the most radical? Most radical. I would probably say Omar on that, right? Would you say? I think probably go Ilan on Omar. I, I, I would probably go AOC, personally. I think AOC. I think AOC's just silly. Well, that's She's just okay. a silly goose. So that's true, but... She's just a silly goose. Silly goose. You know, like, I think... Do you want to boop her on the nose, Yeah, I do. Too? Yeah, she's just this <laughs> adorable silly goose. Where Omar, I think, like, this is someone who is, like, I mean, because she's not just radical. They, they all have the same general philosophy when yeah. it comes to socialism, But you're right? saying Omar she just is like, it. I mean, and she's deep into, I think, the anti-Semitic stuff. Mm-hmm. I think she, I, like... I mean, not to mention, like, she just has a lot of strange things in her history. Like, I... That's true. I, you know, I don't know. I think... I mean, gun to my head, I think i go that direction. But I... You're not going to lose with any of these yeah. picks. They're, they're all very talented musicians. <laughs> all right. Let us know what you think at The Blaze's Twitter. That is at The Blaze. Josh, thanks for being here. Always a pleasure. We sorry. always enjoy it. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Ringo. So you don't know who, who came up with that? That's really funny. I, I think Ben said the podcast on Monday. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.